interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. It's wonderful today. The sun is shining. It's no more freezing weather here in Dallas, Texas. And the co-host with the most and myself, Brian Kluger. And that co-host who I would wear a mask with in a cabin in the woods on a lake. Preston Barta are here for my bloody podcast. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Always good to be here with you. I'm happy in the year 2023 that you and I are just doing all the shows and podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Putting you to work. Yes, yes. I love it. I love it. We got lots of content. Uh, For this My Bloody Podcast, you know, the last My Bloody Podcast episode, we did Skinamarink, which was uh, a movie that basically showed nothing. And now (laughs) we're here with a movie that shows a lot. Uh, The movie in question is the film that's an original movie on Peacock streaming service called Sick from 2022. We're going to talk about it. Uh, And yeah. Okay. So Preston, did you see this like recently or did you see, did this premiere at Fantastic Fest or TIFF or something? It premiered at Fantastic Fest. Uh, I remember us trying to see it. I think it was screening during the middle of the week, or maybe they changed it last minute, and then it screened while we were there. But I think there was another film that was playing at the same time. We just couldn't make it work. Um, And then there was an ability for us, or access for us to watch a screening link of it, but I just didn't reach out, kind of forgot about it, even though I'm a big fan of Kevin Williamson. so I yeah I just watched it just last night. Okay, so so we both watched it yesterday. Okay, so before we jump into this movie, I've got to say that in the middle of watching this movie, I had not like an epiphany almost, not like a major one, but a, a small one, and I thought to myself, okay, this movie's happening. And why is Preston and myself doing podcasts? We could be writing and making a movie like this. And we need to write yeah. a script. I know we've tried to before. Uh, we, we, we've talked about writing a script because I feel like you and I know horror. <laughs> and I think we could just do it so much better. But... I mean, that's that's what I thought. Seriously, in the middle of a movie, I just like had to pause it and was like, what what are we doing here? I feel like we could do this better. <laughs> uh, have you thought about this at all? Oh, yeah, so, there's, ca- there's countless times when I watch films where uh, so I am working on a project right now that's not horror related, but I'm trying to write something. So this is the first time I've done it since college. Um, I'm doing I'm in the middle of the research process and everything because I 
trying to do it. It's think more link later style. So I'm trying to do something that's a little more hangout and uh, thoughtful, philosophical. And well, I mean, that's you. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, um, definitely with watching this one, uh, if that doesn't indicate like our overall feelings of this film, even though I still, I just to jump ahead a little bit, I, I did, still have a good time with it. Um, but yeah, there's, especially in the middle, like the middle section of the film is very much just like a, which a lot of chase sequences, which is, which is nice. We don't get a lot of those nowadays, especially coming off of something like that, the Halloween, their most recent Halloween trilogy that <clears throat> just kind of gets right to the kills and doesn't uh, much, utilize the the power of of a chase sequence um like the friday the 13th movies have um, right. in in the middle of the movie so i guess the the movie's book ended with feeling like kevin williamson and then it feels like the director is kind of lifting uh as matt matt mungle likes to say with his legs um was there, i heard that on y'all's <laughs> recent podcast and that was pretty funny um uh, anyway uh so it seems like the director kind of just did most of the heavy lifting in the middle right so this movie sick on peacock right now is directed by john hyams who is kind of not really known but known for like the his daddy's known yeah, his his dad is known for sure, but this John Hyams, uh, he directed like the last two sequels of Universal Soldier, uh, and that's about it. But then you have it written, the movie written by Kevin Williamson, which we'll get into in a second. But Kevin Williamson is responsible for writing pretty much all the Scream movies and a couple other Wes Anderson, not Wes and Wes Craven movies. Uh, but his big thing is Scream, and if you watch Sick you're going to immediately think, wait, this is just Scream in a pandemic. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a second. But the movie stars Gideon um, Adlon, who you would have seen in the most recent uh, Craft movie, The Craft Legacy. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Sprayberry, who was in Man of Steel, and then the new Teen Wolf show. And then an almost unrecognizable Joel Courtney. Uh, from Super 8. Uh, so, and then, yeah, it's like he did the whole uh, Anthony Michael Hall thing. Where he just got big and buff uh, going from Breakfast Club to uh, um, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And then you have Jane Adams, who I just dearly love. She's in Wonder Boys and Happiness, Eternal Sunshine. Uh, I, I like her a lot. But this movie, you know... It's called Sick. It takes place in uh, right when like the shutdown happened. And those first like 10 minutes, I'm just like, oh, my God, we as a people did this, you know, really getting in there showing like, oh, yeah, we're taking our Clorox wipes and wiping our groceries off when we get home. And the mask, somebody coughs behind you at a store and everybody gets scared like that was genius. Like I I, and I thought to myself in that moment, I was like, man. Collectively, I feel like closer to like humans because we all kind of experienced that for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely the the overall fun of this movie and the most Kevin William-esque parts are all the stuff that deal with COVID. Because there's, there's uh, as the things that you mentioned, but even later on when they're in quarantine, they, they're doing like a drinking game while watching CNN. 
where they take a shot every time they mention the word Fauci. Um, so yeah, th- there's some there's some really uh, fun stuff, and it is wild to just be able to watch this back, even though it was only two years ago. In these COVID years, it just kind of feels like a lifetime ago, and it's just unbelievable that we just did all those things and they made sense. Like there, there's fun sequences where they're dancing and they're just spraying uh, all the Lysol spray, and yeah, and uh, we're just. I'm not going to help you until you put on your mask. All those kinds of jokes are, are pretty great. Right. Yeah. So that, that 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 part was funny and it got me. And then so the movie kind of is about, you know, these two college girls. Um, the movie opens up with kind of like that first scream of that original scream movie kind of sequence. Somebody's at home. There's cold you can opening. see kind of like a killer cold opening and something happens. Uh, and then the movie sets out. You have these two uh, friends who are uh, college age girls. They're going to quarantine by themselves at one of their father's cabins by the lake. And then all of a sudden there's a killer on the loose, kind of masked with a knife running around. It feels exactly like Scream. So with that being said, and I don't know if Preston's going to feel the same way, but like I said earlier, right at the start of this podcast, we can do better. I cannot recommend watching this movie because even though there are some fun death scenes and there's like some elements that are going to be great man it doesn't stick the landing and there's the movie and storyline make no sense whatsoever these this is type of the type of horror movie where the characters all the characters are beyond stupid like they make the dumbest decisions and I really didn't like any character here except for one character. But like when the motive is revealed, because, it was, you know, during the movie, you're like, okay, these girls are in the cabin. Somebody's out to kill them. And you're like, why? Why? Is- you got to and- have the Scooby-Doo moment where they right. the mask. And then, yes, pun intended there. And you're thinking like, okay, so they're really making a big deal about COVID and the pandemic. How is this going to turn in? I... I want to like this movie because this is right up my alley. And that's why I had this epiphany. It's like, Preston, and I could have done this so much better. We need to stop doing podcasts and do a movie because I think we could have done better because I can't in good conscience recommend this movie because it really is bad. And I've seen the Rotten Tomato score and it's great. I don't get it. Like how do I don't understand, but maybe that's why Preston's here to tell me why it's good i don't know but i just had this it's like why is any of this happening why are we making this i like kevin williamson well what, what's going on but again it seems like a regurgitation of the scream movie set in covid times but preston going into it going through the movie as you're watching it did you have the same gut reactions like i'm liking this and then you're like oh wow this is so dumb uh, that's how i felt what do you think yeah, I mean, you're you're not wrong at all. Um, I, I'm probably a little more on the positive side than you are. But in, at the end of the day, I still I think it's a very soft recommendation, if any. I don't I don't think it's one that you really need to watch right away, because like you said, we've seen it before um, in, in way better. And so I had higher 
hopes that this would be much better than it was and that the Kevin Williamson meta-ness and the cheek and uh, tongue-in-cheek kind of feel to it would exist throughout the entire film. And like I was hinting at at the top with the Kevin Williamson COVID parts are just the beginning and the end. And then in the middle, it just kind of F's off and the tone is just entirely different and then within that tone even though they're the positive side is that yes there are chase sequences and there are you know the running up the stairs the going out the window that sort of thing and in the the hiding underneath the table while the killer's at the windows uh looking in from the windows and that sort of thing um that can be fun but I did that kind of stuff in college. I made those kind of films in college where we had to make films without any dialogue. And then most of the time we just kind of steered toward horror and it doesn't feel any different than a lot of the college films that I, that, that I experienced and shot myself when I was at that time. And so, yeah, you're not wrong in thinking that, yeah, we probably could do better. Um, I just, yeah, like you said, it doesn't quite stick the landing. There's just like a lot of, missing elements to it and yeah the characters are incredibly stupid my wife was watching it with me and i was just like they made like 50 dumb decisions right there and and then yeah i'm having a very visceral reaction or just reacting out loud where i'm like don't what are you doing why the fuck are you doing that kevin williamson you write movies about making fun of people that do that and you're doing it right here um right right and and, and the <laughs> the killers are terrible at killing people i mean granted it the body count's not very high it's a movie about being in quarantine so there's only primarily two characters in it um <clears throat> but there is a cold opening so there's there there's a feeling that it's trying to uh, evoke with like the the feeling of a good slasher film but if you're wanting a high body count that's you're not going to get that here but uh yeah it, it, when it comes to like the fighting sequences in that the victim running the killer chasing after them when or and they're getting in a trying to protect themselves from getting stabbed it um it's like they yeah it's it it's like they're running, go back to Scooby-Doo. It's like, the you know, when Shaggy and Scooby see a ghost and they're just like running in place. It feels like that. It feels like both the killer and the victims are running in place and they're just like a lot of tussle. And and, and I was like, you, you, like, for instance, there's a some deer antlers or something. And like yeah. they, they, they smack somebody with it. And you're like, all right. And then he goes in then goes in to go kick the other person i was like you just had a weapon man what are you doing you go and stab them with it um so it's just it's just very it's a very frustrating experience that there's a lot of good parts but there's so much frustration too that's a good word frustrating it is completely frustrating because again a lot of the characters motives or actions the killer's motives when it's revealed is just beyond ridiculous and doesn't make sense and even the two women the two protagonists in the film you do not like there's a scene where the two girls and then there's a guy that likes one of them and he's mm -hmm. super sweet and nice 
who is getting killed with all three of them there. And the two girls run out without him, without saving him with one killer in there. I was like, dude, y'all just left him there. You left him there. You could have gotten anything. Yeah. And I was like, what? Why are we supposed to like these people? And then, you know, as you said, as Williamson likes to make fun of these like tropes and horror movies, there is a scene where I imagine at the premiere at Fantastic Fest got all the claps and applause because, you know, usually in these horror movies, when you kind of take down a killer, it's usually like, oh, I'm going to hit him once and then run away. There's a scene where she's going to do that, but then she's going to like hit him 12 more times in the face. But then he gets back up and it doesn't make sense. I mean, we're talking about a hit to the face like irreversible <clears throat> hit to the face at the beginning yeah. of the movie yeah my my wife and i where i told i told my wife i was like if you got hit that many times in the face and you know uh at this point we're kind of in spoiler territory um so um yeah when when uh gideon Al, uh adlon's character smashes the shit out of who we thought was the only killer um and we're like, okay, we still got like 30 minutes left. So something else is going to happen. And then, yeah, uh, the other friend falls out the window or falls off the roof and breaks her leg. And then she has a whole thing while uh, Gideon's getting chased by the other killer. Now um, we're back in the house. And then the other friend's trying to do like a no country for old men and treat her own wounds and make sure she's okay. But then the other killer that was, who we thought was killed and smashed to death is alive and just silently comes over there to try to kill the other girl. If you got smashed and if you're not an experienced killer, like these people are, um, if you got smashed to near death in the face, I doubt you would just be like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would, you would like, instantly oh get up. Oh my God, my fucking face. Like just something like that. That's not, but that's yeah, not she's... a human reaction. It's just like all these uh, just like coincidences or for the sake of plot. Only. Right. Yeah. So as, as Preston was describing that, you might have not seen him, but he, he's basically describing getting hit in the face by a heavy blunt object 12 times as hard as you can. You're going to die. Yeah. But in this case, the killer kind of like under if the WWE Undertaker, like when he does that happens to him, he just kind of sits up nonchalantly is like one of his things. That's yeah. kind of what happens here. And you're just like, <laughs> what is happening? Why is this happening? And then, you know, going back with Williamson with Scream, the, one of the big reveals was, okay, it's not one killer, it's two. Yeah. And here, when Preston said, yeah, we see this killer get, you know, screwed over and there's like 30 minutes left. And I'm thinking like, okay, I guess there has to be another killer. And there are, there are multiple. And when that reveal comes in and actually who it is and why it is, it's so painfully cringeworthy and doesn't make sense that you got to think like, okay, we need to write something here. Oh, it's going to be this. And it's like, we could have done better. This is one of the... I kind of found I found it humorous. I found it funny that their whole motivation uh, after we find out that there's two killers, because the second killer, when he sees that even he thinks the other killer thinks that um, 
whoever the the person that was smashed to near death uh, was dead, he's getting emotional about it. And and then that gives them, the girls, some leeway to try to escape. And then uh, later on, we find out it's it's an entire family doing it. And the reason why they're after at least one of these girls and then why the, the cold opening uh, where uh, Joel Courtney's character is killed, who also makes incredibly stupid decisions. Yes, me. right, right. <laughs> so more on that later. Um, yeah, uh, so we, it's a, it's a whole family that's doing it because uh, their youngest son was died from COVID, and the reason he that child or that kid got COVID was because of getting Al Adelon's character and. Um, she, they were they were at a party and they yeah. they end a party at Maskless. college, yeah. maskless as as you that happened and they you know they they kissed each other. Yeah. She was asymptomatic, so no symptoms. She didn't know, and that was the reason. So I don't know. I I I find I found it funny. Um, I think at that point where all the gloves were off and like the movie's already a mess, I'll just like okay, just just. Just take some chances, do some stuff. I didn't get as annoyed with that as I did with um, them knocking a character, a killer out the window just a little bit and not check in to see that they're dead. Like, I think y'all have taken enough hits at this point to know that you can't put these people down unless you got to do the zombie thing. You got to you got to double tap, tap, you know, double tap to the head. Yeah, that's that's what it takes. And, you know, it's weird because, you know, like in Scream, I think that was one of the first instances, you know, like because we've seen Freddie and we've seen Jason or Mike Myers and somebody goes up to hit them. They kind of they have like a no sell policy. Again, like in WWE, like the really biggest guys, when somebody hits them, they kind of don't sell it. And so yeah. until Scream, when, you know, Sidney Prescott or anybody would like hit him or throw something, they would fall down. You're like, oh, there's a chance here. Yeah. And in this movie, that happens quite a bit because these killers, I guess, are a family and they're not really. They never killed to... anybody. They've never... Yeah. <laughs> Except they killed two people, three Three. They killed the body count was the first guy, Joel, Joel Courtney, who again uh makes the dumbest decisions. Like Joel Courtney in the op the cold open in this movie is like fighting back and then he secludes himself in a room. And he and would have been fine in there. Yeah, just stayed. like waited he, out. I think he had his phone too. Yeah. Um shut the window. Like there's a couple of moments where it's just like, hey, no, stay there, wait it out. You're in a good spot. You're not like even when uh, I know you're t leading into uh, this, the second person that's killed. I, I can't. So the boyfriend, uh, you know, suppose or the boy that likes uh, Gideon Aldelon's right. character. And then we have a neighbor, an old neighbor. A neighbor, which is a crazy scene because that didn't make sense to me either because somebody's knocking on his door. He immediately pulls out a shotgun on this little girl who allegedly has known her since birth. And he does not recognize her for like 45 seconds. <laughs> and it's just like, why are we here? What are we doing? Like what, what's going on? I don't get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can give it a little bit of room there with that, that neighbor, just cause it's, it's like they're, 
it's not her house house. It was just like a house that they went to. It was just a cabin that they went to every so often uh, throughout their lives. And so like maybe it had been some time and hadn't just doesn't recognize her was in the dark. She's all bloody and everything. And it's just kind of an intense situation And until she explains herself and says, hey, I know your daughter. Your daughter's name is so and so. And and then he just takes he's he he's like okay let's go make the call um and then he gets his uh throat sliced um so uh yeah like she would have been fine um probably just kind of hanging out quietly in that room and then it just becomes a movie about the neighbor in the killer that's trying to get in and then he's just like that's all that's all that needs to happen um so she could have just stayed put, but I guess, you know, you have your friend out there, but at that point, well, yeah, she didn't know that she was okay. So Preston, what I, do you think happened with this movie? Like why you, you, we were talking to, to about me, all these good elements. Yeah. To me, it seems like, so who's the other writer on this? Um, it, to me, yeah. it feels like somebody else pinned it and then it was very Kevin Williamson like, or kind of, but it needed some help. Um, sorry for Caitlin Crabb if that is not the case, but she was additional crew on screen for Mr. Williamson. So she, I guess she has he or she, Caitlin, I'm just gonna assume girl. Um is uh she she has a history with Kevin Williamson for I guess working on the new screen movie. Um but I guess they worked on it together or maybe, I, I don't know. I don't want to make too many assumptions here, but it just, to me, from the outside, not knowing any information, it seems like somebody else wrote it and it had some of that Kevin Williamson screen DNA. And then they brought him in to kind of fluff it up a little bit, but maybe didn't pay him too much. So it just seemed like, uh, you know, I just made some slight adjustments here and there. And then everything else is as is, because I don't want to, you know, completely abandon your original vision. Um, but yet at the end of the day, he has his name on this. That's what it feels like, but it is being advertised pretty heavily that it's Kevin, it's a Kevin Williamson uh, horror movie and we haven't had one in a little bit. Right. No, I agree with that. And it's, it just seems like what, where did it go wrong? It's probably maybe people were pouring in or maybe they were like on those, one of those dumb time crunches for Hollywood, like unrealistically. And it's like, we got to get this out. This is what we're it, doing. It's having a Percy moment from uh Green Mile, where the Jesus <laughs> slid off his cracker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a good, that's a great reference. Uh, watching this movie, there were, so like, let's talk about death scenes. Yeah. So death scenes, there's a couple good ones. The one really, I mean, there are a couple funny ones. A lot of people get impaled in this movie more so than most. Like yeah. one gets impaled by a flagpole, one by deer antlers, uh, and there is like in Kevin Williamson movie scream, don't, you know, sleep on the killer. It's always going to come back back for one last scare. And it does yeah. in a ridiculous way. Yeah. But, it's like, it's like maybe he didn't, Kevin Williamson didn't want to call attention. Like, it's like a subtle way of saying like, okay, well, you know, I can't, the, the logic's already out there. I've already poked fun at it. And instead of just having a character kind of calling out all these things, saying like, oh, we got to make sure that they're dead. We've seen enough movies to know that. Uh, they just kind of just make the mistakes. I don't know. 
No, I think they did. But I will say that cold open with Joel Courtney in that first killer scene, at least in the apartment, was all done to make it look like it was done in one shot, which I was like, kudos, like, cool. We don't usually get that. Yeah. But again, it all goes out the window with the stupidity of the characters because this Joel Courtney character is fighting back. He's winning. Basically he locks himself in the room, but then he's like, I'm going to go outside. I think I got this with not knowing kind of I'm ready. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, you're going to immediately get killed, which happens. And, but like, if you go back to the cold open of scream, it all made sense. Like she locked herself in the house. They broke in. Like it was a thing like that made sense. This was like, you didn't see Drew Barrymore, like go outside to, you know, investigate and, you know, because that wouldn't happen because I was like, oh, the window's right there. It's a college. Like just yell out the window or climb out and run somewhere. Uh, or keep yourself in there because you can definitely fight back, wait for them to come to you. And so I was like, this, there's gotta be, I mean, just Alamo it, man. You're, you're right there in that room. There's (laughs) only two entry points. You can focus on that. You will never have your back open to anything, which is his greatest mistake of going out there and being like, he just went straight for the door to go outside and paused way too long to not have your head on a swivel, man. Um, So yeah, it's just maybe uh, I think you're making me hate this movie even more as we talk about it. This is why Uh, I'm saying we could do better. Why are we doing it? We need to ride it. (laughs) It is, but I, I, I think still in all, like there's just some, how did you feel about the sequence where, um, Gideon Adlon's character paddles her way out onto the boat, onto the water, and then we have the killer dive under the water, Jaws style, and just like slash. Okay, I gotta say this: it seems like John Hyams is a huge Lord of the Ring fan because in the middle of a movie, Gideon takes the Buckleberry Ferry by herself, <laughs> and then there's a shot of her. From Lord of the Rings when she's like hiding like in a ditch under a branch and like the big black killer dressed in black is like looking over her and not seeing her just like in Lord of the Rings. I'm like, those are two shots. She took Buckleberry Ferry. It was like this little separate little um, wooden plank thing. The same thing they took in Fellowship of the Ring. (laughs) And I was dying laughing. But that scene... When she takes off, I was like, wait, I mean, this this chase is slow as molasses. He's going to come. And and I was like, wait, does he, can he breathe underwater and, you know, slicing her? And then she's like, I'm going to jump off. Yeah. Yeah. And then like she jumps off. I'm like, well, this is not going to work out for her. But then she gets to land. I was like, what? What is going on? That part that, made me that laugh. That dad was super committed to be able to just dive underwater and not see anything and uh, just, yeah, do it in the dark. There's, yeah, it was. There, there's it was no scary. way. Yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh, but it made me laugh with the, the Buckleberry Fairy because I think I actually shouted out, Buckleberry Fairy, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. But then there's like these two protagonists, these women these college girls they get all of these weapons and like one point an oar and she like hits one of them with the oar then runs away and i'm like keep going like yeah he's down why are you running and i my mind is like 
you it's like Preston and I could write this better. Like this just doesn't make sense to me in the fact like these well, girls should have been killed. <laughs> I think we need to have Kevin Williamson on this podcast and take him to task on some of these things and ask him. He'd probably be like, as you can see with uh, Gideon Alvin's character, where she's hitting that guy, it just does nothing. Um, and <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's when logic went out the window entirely. But like that moment is it a worthy applause moment in a theater because most people don't do that double tap she did like the 12 tap like she yeah. was beating him you're like oh but fuck, it, yeah she killed him but yeah then but then it breaks beyond reality that he's still alive yeah and it makes no sense because like they show that shot of like him laying down there's like wait he's not going to move his fingers, is he? Like, this is not happening. And I'm thinking that as I'm watching that shot, because it's the shot of, like, he's going to get back up again. And all of a sudden, he gets back up again. I'm like, you know, flip the table Mac style from <laughs> Holy Sunny. Yeah. And I I just, my mind, was, the whole movie, I was like, man, there's so much good setup here. There's like, I'm enjoying but then I'm not enjoying it because it just was delivered poorly. Yeah, it's a game of chess. All the pieces are there. They you just didn't move in the right place. Right, right. And I wanted to like this. And I'm curious if you and I would have gone to the premiere if we would have liked it more or I don't I think no, I feel like we are pretty good about not having festival goggles on and being able to just take in something because there's times where we have that when we're watching something where like everybody else is clapping. I'm like, why the fuck are y'all clapping? um it's just like or why'd y'all laugh at that that wasn't even funny it's just it's like yeah because the stars the filmmakers are in there you want to make them feel good um that they've done something and so like on one hand i do understand it but also you know we only live for so long and we can't i'm giving you my time and my time needs to matter and so I think that you and I would have been leaning over to each other throughout it and being like, what the hell, man? Um, I don't know if we would have walked out because the movie, you know, the good thing is that this movie is like one hour and 22 minutes or something long. And so that that's that's the upside of it. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think we would have I think we would be just as frustrated about it uh, yeah. if we hadn't seen it in theater. Probably I, even more so, probably. I think so, too. I mean, even with its short runtime, thank goodness. I think, yeah, we would have been leaning over each other like, I, again, we could have done better. Why Why is this happening? <laughs> Just throwing our hands up in the air constantly. And there's good performances here for the most part. Like, I believe everybody, even though if the killers are so damn over the top, in their delivery or nonsensical they still make sense with their nonsense <laughs> yes uh, uh yeah yeah i like i love gideon adlon i think she's fantastic as you mentioned with like the craft legacy and blockers um she was in another um she, she's like a good scream queen at this point she's in another horror movie i just saw recently i want to say it was with the vampire i'm gonna have to look it up um but uh, she was the best part of that one too um so i like her a lot and i hope she stays in this realm she's really good at it um but yeah i mean how do you say no to a kevin williamson movie 
Um, right. But, Cause you're like, oh, it's a guy that did scream. Like I'm going to do that. And then you're just like, Oh my God, what's happening. So I don't know. I, I can good conscience recommend this because, you know, with horror movies, at least with me, horror movies are something that I love to watch over and over. I get enjoyment out of it. And even I like bad horror movies. And I just think this one, I just don't think I'd watch it again because it brought nothing to me that I hadn't already seen. And then I just think it's dumb. So I can't in good conscience recommend to watch it. Uh, unless like if, if, the, if the opening cold open interests you and you can get past it and you're like, I'm going to have fun with this, then I'll by all means. But I think there's better out there. What do you think, Preston? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think there is. Um, I, I think if you're, if you feel like tapped out on a lot of stuff that's been coming out and you've seen all these kinds of slasher films, I mean, we could recommend for a couple of hours, some other like, uh, what is it? The, not the night stalker, uh, school night, or uh, there's another one. Anyway, there's, there's quite a few like great slasher films from the eighties that you, maybe haven't seen and we could put on your on your uh, radar um, that are much better but if you feel like you only have a, uh, an attention span for stuff that's like very new age and want some of those uh, contemporary jokes or things like that or you, you just feel like you haven't seen a movie that incorporates covid into its story well i don't know well that's what i was going to ask you was is there another movie that dealt with covid like this because i'm trying to remember not not quite like this but i mean glass onion had a a part of it surprisingly and uh but it's only there for just the beginning to just kind of ease us into that this is their it's as part of our reality um and it leads to some good jokes um so uh not that I've that I've seen. There's some movies that have come out that deal with like a pandemic or a virus. Uh, ben Wheatley had that one. What was it in the Earth or something like that? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it it just kind of deals with some sort of virus, unnamed virus. They don't say COVID directly, but um, I I guess this is the only one that I can really think of, or the one that I could give my time to because i felt like i was in better hands than i than i ended up being and um so i i did not watch a trailer i didn't i only knew i saw gideon adlon and kevin williamson and the possibility of it being a slasher film and i was like okay i'm in and then i don't know what my expectations were i don't know if i was expecting something that was going to be i didn't or maybe I didn't even think it was a, I guess I didn't even think it was a slasher film. I just thought it was going to be like more like cabin fever or something like that, that it was called sick and something a more extreme that deals with sickness or COVID was going to play into it. And it just kind of loosely used things that are going on in our real world to poke fun at, to kind of keep you entertained. But at the end of the day, it's like a shitty slasher film. Yeah, uh, I absolutely. I think that's the you you hit it. It is a shitty slasher film, and not even like in those so bad it's good kind. I don't think. Uh, but maybe time will tell on that. Yeah. So uh, maybe it could be like a, a background horror movie, but who who does that? Um, 
it's there there are some positive elements to it that we've brought up but i think yeah just overall it's it doesn't hit the mark it could have been better given the talent involved and we just we expected more and it didn't quite deliver yeah there you go that is that that is sick um oh, oh by the way the, the gideon adlon movie that i was referencing is called witch hunt so it's another witch movie following the craft oh okay. the craft is better but witch hunt's not bad it at least tries some things in is uh has some really unique visuals in it there you go i have to see it i have not seen it yet i i do now want to look up joel courtney you know, it's like i was like i always remember him from as main kids from super eight but now he's he's like in the kissing booth movies which i have not seen um i've seen the first i think i saw the first two and i saw the empty man uh and then i don't think i've seen anything else that he's done but yeah he's 27 he's he's an old man now yep and he's married what what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> They're growing up, man. They're growing up. They're grow was was it that God it was it's 2011. So yeah. 12 years ago. Oh my god. That's crazy. Um, so Joel Courtney, there you go. So yeah, sick. I think actually, given everything, I think the poster art to sick is one of the better ones that we usually see in poster art. Like I, I like it. Um yeah. Uh, but other than that, yeah, uh, Miramax, Bloomhouse, Outer Banks, and Peacock. Uh, my advice is like if you're on Peacock and you haven't seen the Chucky series, man, Chucky series is great. Uh, they do a lot of great things with that show. And Poker uh, Face, Poker Face is probably the best show on TV right now. Um, yeah. it's wonderful. Please do that, Ryan Johnson. You're amazing. Uh, but yeah, we are my bloody podcast. And that is our episode for uh, today. Um, We will be back next time with another great horror movie for you. We're going to try to get Kevin Williamson on. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to listen to this and be like, no, thank you. No, yeah, no, thank you. We talk about good things. You got to take it with the bad and the good. Um, But yeah, we always love you listening to my bloody podcast, Preston, the man, the myth, the legend. He's at the Denton Record Chronicle. He's at freshfiction.tv. He's on YouTube. He's on Twitter, Preston Barton on Instagram as Blu-ray Dad. Shoot him a message and tell him what you think. I'm Brian Kluger. I'm at High Def Digest. I'm at YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Brian Kluger. Look it up. We love you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>